you probably are well aware of Taylor Swift's getaway car song. What was her getaway car? It might surprise you. We unveil that this morning as well. But right now, it's back to other issues. And this morning, we've talked about how at least half of regional Queenslanders feel unsafe in their homes. And a third of Labor voters say the government is too soft on youth crime. And then we hear that the Queensland Police Commissioner, Katharina Carroll, has called it quits. And not a bad job, 650k a year, but she's had enough. She's been forced to sensationally resign as the state's top cop to clear the air after mounting pressure over Queensland's youth crime crisis. Ms Carroll met with the police minister, Mark Ryan, and told she told him that she wants to step aside. Now, we'll talk about that in just a moment because I don't believe it's her fault that um, juvenile crime is where it's at. The police are doing the best they can. And the government in Queensland, and, and look, uh, the rest of Australia, it, juvenile crime isn't just rife in Queensland. It's rife everywhere. And the police are doing their very, very best to arrest people, criminals, and put them before a magistrate, often pleading with the magistrate, do not give this person bail. They committed that crime already on bail, and yet they're released to commit a crime again that afternoon. It must be incredibly frustrating for the constabulary to continue to work this way when laws are already set in place, but it's the judiciary that often ignore those laws and go soft. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I wanted to catch up with Senator Jacinta Napajimba-Price, the opposition spokesperson on Indigenous Affairs, about other issues as well. And I recorded this conversation with Jacinta late last night. Jacinta, good morning to you. Good morning, Luke. Always good. Yeah, always good to talk to you. A few things I wanted to talk about. And one is, uh, a, it's an article that I saw in the Daily Telegraph. Uh, James Morrow was writing about uh, opposition spokesperson for Indigenous Australians, Jacinta Napajimba-Price, accusing the Albanese government of not listening to Australians. Um, you're talking about treaty, a push for treaty, mm-hmm. truth-telling, Makarata, and we've recently had a referendum that clearly, to me, shows that Australians don't want racial division. What are your thoughts? Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, we've got um, circumstances where Australia have said no to um, division along the lines of race in our country. They've said no to um, what the Prime Minister had committed to, which was, um, you know, the the truth-telling, the Makarata Commission, um, those elements of the Uluru Statement, starting with the voice. Uh, And yet there is still... Um, uh, money in the budget for things like Makarata, truth-telling, uh, and and they can't explain exactly uh, what they're doing. They've even met, they've even got you know they've mentioned treaty. They're talking about how it's occurring on on state and territory levels. I mean, the way I see it is that the federal government is allowing for states and territories to take this path, and then I think would come in. Um, and, and establish treaty by stealth. Um, I mean, they've never been honest about anything. They don't listen to the Australian people when the Australian people say this is not the road we want to go down. 
And, of course, there's millions in the budget to support um, these actions. Senator, what is truth-telling? I mean, Linda Burney, the Mm. Indigenous Minister, she's saying that she wants, she's in discussions with Cabinet about the truth-telling process. Who's truth? Well, that's exactly right, right? I mean... They, they can't even clarify what that means. The same way they couldn't clarify what the voice was supposed to be, they can't clarify truth-telling. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, I see it as another means of holding the country to ransom, rewriting history in the eyes of, of how they um, perceive it to be, um, you know, and, and using that against everyday Australians, once again, to make demands uh, on government and on, on other Australians, um, for those people who are in pretty good um, positions of, of power. I mean, I don't know what the outcome of that is supposed to be. I think when it comes to education, our education system should do more to learn about our country's history in its entirety, the good, the bad, the ugly, but not for the purpose of um, weaponising it, using yeah. it as a political weapon. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, while we're on the topic of Linda Burney... Um, there's talk that our Anthony Albanese um, is thinking strongly about Australia's next Governor-General, um, and the, the story is, or the inside story is, that he's looking closely at uh, Linda Burney. Yeah. I, I, have I you heard this? <laughs> Look, I have heard the rumours about that. Um, I, I do think it's a little bit of a cop-out, and perhaps it's such that um, perhaps, perhaps, uh, you know, the minister was promised you know, glory in, in what they thought would be a win for the voice and that hasn't occurred so the next step would be to um, you know, put her in such a position to, to sort of you know, have some sort of uh, the end of her work as, as a parliamentarian could be sent off in that way but look I think the right person should be picked for that position someone who is um, passionate about Australia, loves this country has a respect for the monarchy and our relationship um, with the monarchy. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that um, particularly uh, Minister Burney, um, you know, presents those sort of characteristics, especially after the referendum we've just had. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, well, political appointments have been happening for many, many years. You know, if you if you've been a good friend of the government of the day. Uh, when you retire, mm. if you're very lucky, you'll get an ambassadorship, correct? Or mm. or indeed, um, Governor-General. So, anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Look, there's something, uh, Senator Price, that I really want to talk to you about, and that is, we cover it quite extensively here on the night shift, and that is the subject of juvenile crime. Now, I know that the magnifying glass has been on Queensland, but you know what? There's juvenile crime, like the likes of what we're seeing in Queensland happening all around Australia, all around Australia. And uh, I've received phone calls from my listeners, for example, in Townsville, the Gold Coast, who were saying to me, why isn't the elephant of the room ever talked about? And that is that they believe a majority of the crime that's taking part or taking place in their part of the world is largely Indigenous kids. Mm. I've had policemen ring me and tell me it's it's largely, not not all, there are plenty of mm. non-Indigenous kids who are getting into trouble as well. But mm. um, if if we could uh, just focus on the Indigenous youth crime problem with you at the moment, it must mm. concern you. Um, you. You know, you're born and bred in Alice Springs. You've probably seen things that other people around Australia haven't seen. What do you mm. make of this and how do we address it? 
Well, I mean, that's the reality of the situation that, of course, it predominantly is Indigenous kids. I mean, an article came out in The Australian today about the circumstances in Alice Springs. You know, kids as young as 10 repeatedly um, stealing, in fact, the same car from an auction yard over and over and over. Um, being, you know, when, when police catch up to them, they are then handed over to um, a responsible adult, inverted commas, um, and then, but they're back out reoffending. And this is this has come about because there there has been a stigma attached to the removal of Indigenous kids. So what we have is a situation now. We've got a neglected generation of kids who have been left in dysfunction. Uh, because of their racial heritage. I, I had a social worker ring me on the program, Senator, who said that uh, they're, they're lenient on Indigenous kids because the last thing the government wants is for Indigenous kids especially to be taken away from their families, even if they're crook families, because they don't want people screaming about another lost, uh, stolen generation. That's exactly right. So therefore these kids' human rights aren't being upheld. It's the, it's the, it's the racism of low expectation that that's been imposed on these children so you know there's this romanticism about being connected to culture and to country well the truth and the reality is that the the dysfunction that they're living in doesn't even provide that for them and what we should be doing is ensuring these kids are growing up in environments where where they're being cared for where they're getting an education where their human rights are being upheld and they're not being exposed to violence or sexual abuse um, but the powerful few um, continue to deny this. They continue to suggest that colonisation and white policies are all to blame um, but are failing these kids as we speak, which is why we're seeing this epidemic of children committing crimes predominantly, you know, as Indigenous kids in communities um, like in Townsville and like in Alice Springs. So the system is failing them. Um, when the system is supposed to be supporting them if their families are failing them. And it's an absolute travesty. See, if you have a child that feels safer walking the streets at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm talking kids as young as 9, the, the policemen ring me and tell me these things. Kids mm -hmm. as young as 8 and 9 feeling safer in a mob, in a gang, wandering the streets at two, rather than going home to a very dysfunctional family, it shouldn't matter what the colour of their skin. It should mm -hmm. have not... N the colour of their skin should not even enter into it. If those kids are endangered, if they are in any danger at all from their home environment, they, they've got to be protected. That's exactly right. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's like sometimes I say to people, Aboriginal children are Australian citizens like everybody else. Therefore, they should have the privilege of being protected under the same rights as everybody else, as all other children in this country. And people sort of look at you like, I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah, they're Australian citizens, you know. And unfortunately, we've got to the point now because of this ideological disposition that um, it's created this sense that Aboriginal kids are um, an other. They are different or they are you know, somehow should be treated differently when, no, that shouldn't be the case at all. It shouldn't matter what someone's skin colour is. Mm. All children need to be protected, and they need to be protected equally. It's, uh, they're my thoughts. S Senator Price, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again, Luke. Anytime. We'll talk soon, eh?